0: to 2nd Kings the book of 2nd Kings 2nd Kings and we'll begin reading in chapter 18 and familiar passages of scripture here this evening but I'd like to just outline some some thoughts 2nd Kings chapter 18 verse 1 it says this, now it came to pass in the third year of Hoshea son of Elah uh, king of Israel that Hezekiah the son of Ahaz king of Judah began to reign in verse 2 of 2nd Kings chapter 18, 25 years old was he when he began to reign and he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Abi, and uh, the daughter of Zechariah and he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord according to all that David his father did. And oftentimes, um, if, if you're familiar with these passages of scripture, when when someone or our preacher comes and they say, Hezekiah, the first thing that comes to your mind is that prayer that he made uh, regarding his health. And later on in the, in the following chapters, in, in chapter 20, um, there, there's a there's a story with him, with, with his health being so detrimental that even the prophet said, um, prepare your house, you're going to die. And Hezekiah in, in his distress and his weeping, he comes before God and, and, and he prays to God to, to, to spare his life and, and, and basically reminds God of what he's done. And God does this miracle in Hezekiah's life, King Hezekiah, and grants him I believe, 15 more years to serve him. And it's easy sometimes that we allocate characters of Scripture to to just certain times in their life, and we don't see it as a whole. And what I'd like to suppose and propose to you this evening is that Hezekiah's prayer and his prayer life did not start with him finding out that he was terminal. Hezekiah's prayer life did not start when he found out that he was sick and that boil showed up. I, I believe throughout his life and throughout his reign in Israel, um, King Hezekiah showed a life of prayer. And tonight we'll just go through um, some of those sites, some of those thoughts. Verse, uh, if, you, if you like to write notes tonight, let's turn, uh, first point is simply this, Hezekiah chose to do right. Before he did that, that big prayer to God to spare his life, before he did any of that, Hezekiah decided to do right. He decided and chose to do right. 2nd Chronicles, 2nd Chronicles chapter 29. And we'll be jumping through scripture tonight, and hopefully you brought your Bible. It's a good thing. Amen. 2nd Chronicles chapter 29. And we will begin reading verse 2. It says this, and he that uh, he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that David his father had done. And here we find, I, I guess, a point in Scripture where you can say, "Oh no, no that was wrong. That, that's that, that's there, there's error in the Scripture." But the truth is, is that there is no error in Scripture. What, what he was referring to, what he did, right in the sight of, of David his father. But David wasn't his father; it was his Ahaz, right? We know that. But he was talking about his lineage, his lineage, and so uh, um, again, the the scholars basically said that he was he was alive and he was reigning between seventeen sixteen to six six eighty seven, um, <coughs> and um, basically he was considered to be the second best king of Judah. And do you remember um, that Israel was uh, the The country was split into two, southern and northern. And northern, what was the capital of northern? It starts with an S. Samaria, right? Okay. And down south was Judah, right? Jerusalem. And so what we're trying to do tonight, church, is we're trying to learn, trying to grow, right? So remember those things. And here what we find is that we, we have this statement that he did he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. Put up your hand tonight if you've ever heard this, this statement ever made. Oh, uh, here's a chip off the old block. Yeah? Uh, like father, like son. How, how about the one, uh, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. And sometimes <laughs> those, those statements, they're genuine and true. And there's, there's certain mannerisms, there's characteristics, some traits that has come from A parent. But if we're not careful, is is we're easy to to just place that person right next to mom and dad. And because if mom and dad do wrong, then automatically we think in our mind that children will do wrong. And the beautiful thing about the scripture is that his father, Ahaz, King Ahaz, was the second worst king of Judah. Basically, King Ahaz had had this, this bright idea to to go to the other nations and began worshiping different nations and, and they, he started putting up high places. He started putting up temples in Judah. And what he did was he, he even went to the point where he sacrificed his children to false gods. King Ahaz wasn't a good king. He was one of the worst. And the byproduct of King Ahaz was this young man, this, this king at 25 that did right in the sight of the Lord, he chose to do right. He decided to do right. There is no excuse, Christian, myself included, to say, oh, I did it because that was the circumstances that I was in. There's this song that our kids always listen to. And if, you, if you've ever traveled with your kids, you go through a CD like 50 times. And every time you listen to the city, there's always the same song they want to hear. And there's a song that Patch the Pirate sings with with his crew, and it it talks about, you have to do right. And I began thinking about that and, and sort of coincided with my studies that the person that could have justified his sin the most, that could have said, you know, it's too difficult for me to live for God, would be King Hezekiah. King Hezekiah could have just said, you know what, it's, that's my parents. That's how I was raised. That's, well, that's what my, my mom and dad did. That's what my dad did. He, he worshipped these gods and who am I to say no to my dad? What you find Hezekiah doing in his first month of reigning at 25 years old is he removed things. He cut it out. And time and time again, if, if, if we're to, to excel in our walk with the Lord, if we're to say in, in, in our life, not saying for our children, no, no, in, in our life, I want to live for God, we need to choose to do right and stop blaming your circumstance for causing you to miss church. And I'm not here to get angry or, or to, to point fingers at anyone, but you need to stop making excuses for not doing right. Because King Hezekiah could have said the same thing, but he didn't. Let's continue on. I don't have a short amount of time tonight. Hezekiah chose to do right. Though our surroundings may have influenced how we perceive things, we are still responsible for our actions. So if we're not careful, we might excuse ourselves for our, short, our shortcomings, for issues that are, are really based on these items. I'm just a chip off the old block. I'm just a byproduct of mom and dad. And the, the one, one of the, the beautiful things with that was that today as we went to a public school and shared to the children about Jesus Christ, I was talking to one of the, chi- the children, one of, one of the teenagers, and I asked him, do you know if you're going to heaven? He said, no. I said, why? He goes, my parents have done some crazy things. My parents have, have involved me in some things that I'm not proud of. And God's not going to let me in heaven. And, and do you know what you have, Christian? You have the, the truth of the Word of God that says no. Someone's paid for that. And you should have seen his face change. But I said, No, no, you can still get to heaven. It's not what your parents have done, it's not what you've done. But Jesus Christ has done it for you. And you just need to believe on the gospel that is not turn away from your sin. Sorry. That's not walking in an aisle. Believing on the gospel is the death burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ, my friend. Nothing more, nothing less. And all those things that we like to say that are salvation, it's only a mere byproduct of salvation. It's not salvation. Amen. So we need to know that church. We need to continue in that. So Hezekiah chose to do right. Secondly, Hezekiah prioritized the Lord. Hezekiah prioritized the Lord in Second Chronicles. 2 Chronicles chapter 9, verse 3, says this. 2 Chronicles chapter 29, excuse me, verse 3. He, in the first year of his reign, in the first month, opened the doors of the house of the Lord and repaired them. And he brought in the priests and the Levites and gathered them together into the East Street. In verse 5 of 2 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 5, And said unto them, Hear me, ye Levites, sanctify now yourselves and sanctify the house of the Lord God of your fathers and carry forth the filthiness out of the holy place." Hezekiah prioritized the Lord. See, he understood the importance of the house of the Lord. See, what that tells me is that in the first year, in the first month, he opened the doors of the, the house of the Lord. Do you know what that means to me as I read that tonight, uh, this week as I was studying? It meant that the doors of the church were closed. It meant that it wasn't being used. It meant that it was broken down and for the lack of leadership and the wrong things that King Ahaz has done in the past, what happened was the door stayed shut, and so there was no answer from God, and so there wasn't any, any, any truth or anything being um, pushed forth from the church, why? Because the Lord's house was closed, and so then it begs to, to ask the question, if the Lord's house was closed, where was the Lord's people? And some may say, yes, um, you know, because of King Ahaz, they were fearing for their life. And so they dispersed and they went to different places and, and congregated there. They were definitely there. Why? Because King Hezekiah actually tells them to come. And they do come. But he tells them something. He says, sanctify yourselves. Do you know what that means for me as I read that? It meant that they weren't sanctified. They weren't set apart anymore. They've sort of merged in with everybody else. And there were supposed to be this people that that was serving God, that loved God, that cared about God. And now it's this uh, whimsical, I'm just part of everyone else. I just want to just stand in the background and, and just blend in. The truth is, church, you can't. If you have the love of Jesus Christ in you, you can't. You can't, you can't get that out of you. The byproduct of knowing Jesus Christ is that you're going to go tell somebody about Jesus Christ. It is a byproduct. You see it biblically. The, the, the person, the, the woman at the well, she, she didn't stay there and, and make a little monastery for herself. She went back and she said, is this not the Christ when she met Jesus? The, the man from Gadara, the, the demoniac when, when he was dressed in his right mind, he went back and he told people what Jesus Christ has done. My friend, the byproduct of loving God, the byproduct of meeting Jesus Christ, and if he's real in your life, is going to be you telling people about him. And Hezekiah prioritized the Lord, and he saw the Lord's house as a place of importance. It's not just a place. It's not just a building. You know, the craziest things when you go to the Philippines is, is I see this all the time, you, you, you find these, these massive temples Iglesia de Cristo, whatever it may be. And the people that walk past, they say, wow, that's a great God. They serve a great God. You go to a place and there's a massive, it might be the poorest town and you see a, a big cathedral and it's nice and, and it's got gold on it and it's beautiful. And people walk past and say, "That's a that, oh, that's, they, they serve a real God. And it's a mission for us to understand that this place is a representation of what God's supposed to be indwelling. We need to take care of it. And I'm not saying, again, it's not an indictment. What, it's, what I'm trying to say is that he prioritized and what he did was he opened the doors of the church. He said, hey, I want you to come in. I want to fix this place. Understand it's not physical. It wasn't just a mere physical action. Like you went in and just got painting and everything. No, what it was was as the ruler, he told everybody that was following a different God, it's time for you to run. It's time for you to go find somewhere else to live because the real God is going to come back to this place. It was a stand. Does that make sense? Not only that, he, he prioritized like, the, the local church and, and he revived again those that were involved in the church. He reignited those that were called to serve, but he removed the hindrance to prayer. He removed the hindrances to prayer. Let's go to 2 Kings again, chapter 18. You're doing well tonight? I sort of like the doors being open. It's nice. It's a little breezy in here. It's really cool. And you can see all the little insects and stuff. Amen. He removed the hindrances to prayer. 2 Kings chapter 18 and verse 4. I don't want you guys to miss this. And it's a beautiful picture and a beautiful reminder for us this evening. 2 Kings chapter 18 verse 4. He removed the high places and break the images and cut down the groves. the verse could have stopped there and it would have made sense but the verse continues and it says this and break in pieces the brazen serpent that Moses had made for unto those days the children of Israel did burn incense to it and he called the called it Nehushtetan Nehushtetan And if he just stopped at at destroying the the high places, if he just stopped at destroying the groves, then we could look at that and say, oh man, he was a righteous king. But he doesn't just stop there, my friend. He continues on. And the thought is that today he removed the the hindrances to prayer. The high places were dotted throughout the southern and northern kingdoms. It, It was an elevated ground. It was dedicated to Baal worship. That was there and placed there by King Ahaz. Not only that, the groves, it was a, it was it was like a, a a sacred place or even even a tree, a sacred tree. And some may say it was a, a, a monument, a wooden monument to, to a, 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 a goddess of um, Eshrah, Asherah, the goddess of fertility, and she's named different names through all the mythology. But the thought is this. He removed those things, but they were blatant things. They were there, and they were blatantly against God. But he doesn't stop there. He says this, he break in pieces the brazen serpent that Moses had made. In Numbers 21, 8, and I'll read that for you. You don't need to turn there. In Numbers chapter 21, verse 8, it says this, And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent, and set it upon a pole. And it shall come to pass that everyone that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, shall live. And Moses made a serpent of brass, and put it upon a pole. And it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he... Mate, this thing, this image of this serpent on a pole, basically was was basically telling to the Israelites, hey, you could either do it your way or you could do it God's way. You can try to figure out a, a vaccine for yourself, or you can look and believe and look and trust at this lifted-up snake. And in that period, in that season of Israel's life, that was a place of victory. That was a place of God's miracle. That, that was a, a symbol of God's provision. But you know the crazy thing is, is that later on as years progressed, as next generations came up, what they found out was that that thing that should have been a picture of Jesus Christ, that thing that should have been a picture of God's way, became a God itself. And they didn't begin to burn incense to God. They began to burn incense to a piece of brass on a pole. So how does that have anything to do with us today? Church, understand this. God will work ways and miracles in seasons. And we need to be careful to to not make that season our God. You hear statements like this, like, oh, back in the old days, we saw so many people get saved. And God did miracles then, man. And, and I remember when the church was so small. And I remember when the walls were like here and there was a kitchen over here. And that's where we had sort of like a teen class. And then that pushed back and then we pushed it back again. I remember the great things that God has done. But the thing is, if we're not careful, we might look at the pole with the snake on it. That was supposed to be a picture of God's provision as God itself. And when God says, hey, no, that's not, that's, that's not where it's going to be anymore. People were angry. People were upset. No, 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 we're burning incense to it. It supplied our need. No, no, it didn't supply your need. God did. And we saw great men that have come through and are still here today that have done great things for the Lord. Men of God that used to stand on that pulpit and preach great things for the Lord. But for that season, and yes, God might raise them up again, praise the Lord. We serve a merciful God. But be careful that you don't look at a, at, at a season and say, that's my life. No, it's not. I'll tell you why. Because God still can use you today. Don't look at your past and say, when I was 25, man, I, I did so many things for the Lord. No, you can do things for the Lord now. Like, I, I look at myself and I'm, I'm turning 20, what, 20-something, 20 28, 29, something like that. And I, I look at myself and I, I say, you know, when I, when I was younger, if I was younger, I would have done this and I would have done that and... And I could have done so much more for God. But I'm not there. I'm here. And King Hezekiah needed to shake up the people and say, I'm going to destroy the groves. I'm going to destroy the high places. But I'm going to destroy this monument that used to stand for God, that has been now put up as an idol. First year. First month. Isn't that crazy? Why? Because he prioritized the Lord. Not only that, and we'll continue going today. Next, thirdly, Hezekiah intercedes for the guilty. This is the prayer that um, often gets neglected. This is the prayer that I think Really determined from, for me, anyways, to see that Hezekiah was a really good man, was a good king to Judah. It's fine here. After he fixes the temple, then he restores the temple to the place of worship, he, he begins to send out letters. Not just to those that are in Judah in the south, but he, he sends letters up to the north. Again, you have to understand the situation. The north was, was in, a, in a situation that they were that overrun. I believe, by the Assyrians. And so they weren't in a good place. But he sent these letters up, and he says this in Second in Chronicles chapter 30. Let's turn there together. And you're doing really well tonight. Thank you. Second uh, Chronicles chapter 30, in verse 6. And this is our second last point, and we'll get this real done quick. 2 Chronicles chapter 30, verse 6. So the post went with the letters from the king and the princes throughout all Israel and Judah, again, north and south. And according to the commandment of the king, saying, Ye children of Israel, turn again unto the Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, and he will return to remember uh, remembrance of you that I escaped out of the hand of the, the kings of Assyria. Verse 7, and be not, be not ye like your fathers and like your brethren, which trespass against the Lord God of th- their fathers, who therefore giveth them up to desolation, as ye see. Verse 8, now be ye not stiff-necked, as your fathers were, but yield yourselves unto the Lord, and enter into his sanctuary, which he hath sanctified forever, and serve the Lord your God that the fierceness of his wrath may turn away from you. If ye turn again unto the Lord, your brethren and your children shall find compassion before them that led them um, captive, so that they shall come again into this land. For the Lord your God is gracious and merciful and will not turn away his face from you if ye return unto him. Praise the Lord for that truth. He won't turn his face from you. Let's continue on reading verse 10. So the post, the, the post passed from city to city through the country and to Ephraim and Manasseh, even unto Zebulun, Zebulun. but they laughed them to scorn and mocked them. These people saw this calling to righteousness. These people saw opportunity, like an olive branch per se, to say, hey, come, get right with God. Come be here with us. We're going we're to celebrate the Passover. You need to come to Jerusalem to do that. And you know what they did? They laughed him to score. But the next verse is a beautiful verse that we need to see. It says this. Um, where are we? Verse 11. Nevertheless, diverse of Asher and Manasseh, And Zebulun humbled themselves and came to Jerusalem. You say, you say, Australia can't get reached of the gospel. They just laugh at us anyway. They make fun of us. We say that we don't see as many saved here and, 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 and it's a hard work here. And it's true. It's a hard work. But those posts went from city to city, and did not stop. They kept going and going, until some people humbled themselves and actually went. So these people went, and understand this, in order for you to participate in the Jewish custom, you had to be sanctified. There were certain procedures for you to actually participate. And these people came from these, from the, from these lands, and we, we find it here. Continue, continue reading. Verse. Verse seventeen. Second Chronicles chapter, thirty verse seventeen. It says this: For there were many in the congregation that were not sac- were not sanctified. Therefore, the, the Levites had charge of the killing of the passover for everyone that was not clean, to sanctify them unto the Lord. For the multitude of people, even many Ephraim and Manasseh and Issachar, and Zebulun, had not, cle- had not cleansed themselves, yet did they eat the Passover, otherwise than the, it, it was written. And Hezekiah, verse 18, this is the prayer that I'm talking about. Hezekiah prayed for them, saying, Good Lord, pardon everyone that prepareth his heart to seek God, the Lord God of his fathers, though he be not cleansed according to the purification of the sanctuary. You know, my friend, what he did was he, he put down all his malice, he put down all his, his traditions of men, and he said to God, God, I will be praying for these people, and please forgive them, because they, they're in their heart, want to glorify you, but they didn't go through the same purification process as everybody else. And here we find a man, a king, that stooped so low to say that though these people mocked me, though these people got upset at me, and even made fun of my gesture of inviting them to come, I will pray for them so they don't die. Get that? So they don't die. Because if if you ate unworthily, mercy, the judgment of the Lord is on you. And this king prayed for people that deserved it. And the next verse, it speaks that God heard him. He heard him. And he, he says, and he healed the people. That's the following verse. Why? Because, I don't know. I, I, I think we discussed this a while back. God sees the heart of the individual. And they might not do the right, same way as us. They might, they might not be suited up like us. God sees their heart. And we need to be not pious. Not say, oh, I'm better than you. No, say, no. God, you know their heart. And they might not do it the way that we do. Let's just have grace. I know what I stand on. It says in the Bible that every man be persuaded, Right? You need to be sure of what you believe. Be sure. And if somebody else believes differently, or someone's in a different side, whether it's more conservative, more more loose, whatever it may be, right? At least you know where you stand. Because God sees your heart. God knows what you're talking about. And so he does with theirs. And we will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. That's the beautiful thing about the reality of life that one day I cannot make the excuses that I can make to other people I cannot defend my wife why she didn't walk with the Lord why she didn't do these things I I, I can't say that I can't say that for my child no 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 no. she she was she was trying to do this with her life God just, just give her a break no 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 everyone will stand by themselves to give an account and what I'm trying to say here is that Hezekiah saw that and said, God, please forgive them. Forgive them. And the beautiful, the beautiful thing is it doesn't stop there. The, the seven days that it was supposed to be on for, it actually turned to 14 days. If you read the scriptures, it continues on for another extra seven days. So it becomes for two weeks. But do you know what? It continues on. I'm trying to find page four. Page four is missing. But do you know what? The revival continued, church. It didn't stop there. And when I find page four, mercy, I'll tell you. But the truth is, church, for the sake of it, when those people that got prayed for and they got healed, they went back to Zebulun, Ephraim, and Manasseh. And do you know what they did Their church? They went there and they destroyed the high places. That's not in the south anymore. Understand that. They were in the territory of the Assyrians. They were were in control by the Assyrians and by pagan rulers. They went back and they destroyed. And it says all. It says all. The revival didn't stop in Jerusalem. It continued on. That was the last point, simply. Church, we need to understand that that firstly, we need to prioritize. We need to choose to do right. We need to choose to do right. We need to prioritize the Lord. And lastly, (coughs) we need to intercede for our nation. God's blessed you to come to Australia. And if he sends you back to the Philippines, God's blessed you still. But God's given us a privilege and a a responsibility to not just pray for us tonight, but to pray for those outside that need to hear Jesus Christ. Those that are looking to hear about a Savior. You need to be praying for them. Every time you knock on a door, you pray to ask God, God, make it be. So as we finish up tonight, again, hopefully that was a, a blessing to you. Hezekiah's prayer when he asked the Lord in Second Kings, and we'll close with this Second Kings. Second Kings chapter twenty says this in 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 chapter three, second Kings chapter twenty, verse three. I beseech thee, O Lord, remember now how I have walked before thee in truth and in the perfect heart, and have done that which is good in thy sight. And Hezekiah wept sore. And it came to pass afore, um, Isaiah was gone out into the middle court, that the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Turn again, and tell Hezekiah, the captain of my people. Thus saith the Lord, the God of David thy father. I have heard thy prayer. I have seen thy tears. Behold, I will heal thee. On the third day, thou wilt go up to the house of the Lord. And I will add unto thy days fifteen years. And I will deliver thee and this city out of the hand of the king of, the Assyria, of Assyria. And I will defend this city for mine own sake and for my servants, David's sake. There was a fulfillment. But that prayer that he made was backed by a life that was glorifying God. So when we come to pray on Wednesday nights, make sure your life is backed. Your prayers are backed with what you're doing. Don't pray just for the salvation of men if you're not sharing the gospel. Pray for them and then do. Don't pray for other people that are struggling in the church and never text them, never call them. Back it up. Back your prayer with your life. Amen? God sees that. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again just for the inside thoughts in regards to King Hezekiah. I pray that your word will continue to not remain void. Lord, work in our hearts, not just tonight, but throughout the week as we, again, delve into the scriptures and and try to figure out what you want us to do with our life. God, thank you for allowing us to be here. Thank you for the opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen.